just, we just gotta, gotta be all, all in. It all in. We all in. We got a great show for you guys today. I got lucky, and I got Coach Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator from Clemson, on the show today. We're talking about identity. One of the most impressive things about him is his presence and how life for him is not just football. It's bigger than football. So I'm talking with him about that and diving into what makes him work and what makes him tick. And then me and Coach Brett Collier, we're going to we're going to dive into and address identity in Jesus Christ in detail after the interview with Coach Tony Elliott. Hope you guys enjoy the show today. All right, I'm here with Coach Elliott, offensive coordinator at Clemson University, and I've always enjoyed um, you know, getting to talk with him and seeing him because he is a man that's at the top of the profession, uh, wins national championships, and he, and he keeps a good perspective on – not letting football be his identity, not letting winning be his identity. But I know it's I know it's a battle. It's a battle for any coach. And coach, could you speak to that a little bit about not letting football and winning become who you are? Uh, most definitely. You know, I think uh, we we talked about this before, and I think what what spurred this conversation was I said that football is what we do. It's not who we are. Right. And, and I think it starts with really knowing who you are and what your identity is. And and for me, my identity is in Christ. And I understand that I've been given the gifts and the talents to be able to uh, to do different things in my life, but but more importantly, coach football. But at the end of the day, my real purpose is not for me to uh, to pat myself on the back, but I was given the gifts and talents to to be a blessing to other people. So I think that you know our culture, uh, where we're at, and, and, and the approach that we take is you know we don't see it as we're football coaches; we see it as leader of men. And when you have that perspective, you're able to keep everything else around you in perspective. Because obviously, anytime you're successful, there's going to be pressure to achieve at an even higher level. Uh, but at the end of the day, if, if you know what you're really, really after, and for me, you know, I want to make sure that I help these young men understand that, that football is something that they do. But more importantly, it's just a, a short window in their life and it's preparation for something bigger and better. And we all were created uh, you know, in the image of Christ and we were fearfully and wonderfully made. And so, so we're not just here for one thing. We're here for a culmination of things and ultimately to walk out the divine order that he has for our life. So that's really how I try to keep it in perspective and understand that. that and also, too, in our profession. Man, things can change. I mean, you can easily go from the penthouse to the outhouse, right? <laughs> in in the course of in the course of, a, of of just a couple months, and and, and I often share my coaching journey, and and, and people see me now, and uh, they respect where I'm at. But I didn't start there. You know, I had to start. Uh, you know, at the ground level at South Carolina State to Furman, and then work my way up to Clemson. And I tell everybody I'm the same person. You know, uh, and and I've taken bits and pieces of the experiences that I learned at each of those spots. You know, to help me to to stay grounded. Uh, if you keep if you keep others first, and we talk about a lot joy, if you if you look at what is joy, is Jesus others than yourself, and that's one way to keep it in perspective. And so, if you know if your identity is in Christ, it helps you to be able to to not focus on yourself. Because if you look at Christ's life, what did He do? He came to serve, not to be served. And so, that's what our real purpose is. So, you know, and I, I agree with all that. And obviously, as a Christian, I'm right there with you. I find that during football season. The more, you know, the longer football season goes, it's it's almost like the worse it is for a coach, you know, mm-hmm. because the pressure becomes more and more and more, you know, as you're trying to, you can't lose a game, trying to go to the national championship, and we're not supposed to think that way, but we do think that way. How do you handle that pressure? I know for me it's hard. Like, sometimes I just, I get lost in, I get overwhelmed with the pressure, 
and God always has to bring me back. How do you handle that? I mean, you have to win the ACC. You have to beat South Carolina. You have to win the ACC championship. You have to win first round of the playoffs. And then how do you handle that? I think it starts with I've been blessed with an unbelievable wife, and uh, she keeps me grounded. And, and I really, really rely on her to keep everything in perspective. So when I walk in the house, she makes sure that I understand that I'm at home. I'm not dealing with football, that I got two little boys, that the most important thing for, for them is just to see me as dad. You know, they could care less what happened at practice. They could care less whether we win a game or lose a game. They're just happy to see dad. And then she's constantly bringing them around. So they're out at practice. They're out uh, in the facility during the day at lunchtime, whenever that's, uh, whenever that's possible, to just keep me grounded. And then also what that does is that helps me to keep in perspective my players that this is somebody's son and they've entrusted me to treat them like I would treat my own children. So having my family around, you know, constantly, and Coach Sweeney does an unbelievable job of allowing our families access to everything that, they, that we do, it creates that, 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 that more so pressure to be a good man, a good father, a good husband, than to be a good coach. Uh, we, we have a formula for success. It's tried. It's proven. Uh, we know that if we stick to, you know, our core fundamentals, then we have an opportunity to be successful. So that's how I, I keep it in perspective. And then, you know, we do daily devotions within the program to make sure that, uh, that we keep the main thing the main thing. And at the end of the day, the main thing is that when it's all said and done, it doesn't matter how many championships you win, whatever, you know, your salary is, whatever you feel like uh, quantifies you as successful in the uh in the world's eyes, you're ultimately going to be judged by your maker. And he's going to want to know how did you impact the hearts and souls, not the wins and losses, but the hearts and souls of the young men that you deal with every day. So so just the combination of the environment we have, uh, starting with the leadership of Coach Sweeney, and then the involvement of our families helps us to keep everything in perspective. And um, lastly, Coach, you know, the 22-, 23-year-old, 24-year-old guy out there, you know, he's got his eyes set on you. Um, maybe 30-year-old, and, and he wants to be where you're at. Now, you, you touched on it briefly before, but what's your advice to him? My advice would be to enjoy the moment and, and focus where you are. And we have a saying that we use constantly. It's, it's bloom where you're planted. You know, just focus on where you are. Um, and you think about now where we are uh, in our lives. We'd love to go back to the high school days, the college days, where we had less responsibility, <laughs> right. where life was, you know, life was much easier. And uh, But we were always in a rush to, to, to become adults. And so that's what I tell them. I said, don't focus on the things that you see. Uh, on the outside, but focus on the things that are really taking place with you on the inside. Because ultimately, you know, you can get to the top off of talent, but character is what's going to what's going to keep you there. So I want to see young people be successful and have the success that, that I've had. But I understand that it's not just talent; it's 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 the character, it's the life experiences. Because again, it goes back to the beginning of our conversation. We're all we were all created for a purpose, on purpose, with purpose. And so you have to make sure you maximize the moment so that you go through the experiences and you gain the development and the growth that you need to be prepared to handle that blessing that is around the corner. I think a lot of times we want to rush and skip steps. You know, we want to take the elevator, but there's really no elevator to success. You got to take the steps one step at a time and every step is critical and you can't miss a step or else when you get to where you think uh, is the top, you're not going to be prepared to handle what's at the top. And ultimately, if you don't handle what's at the top, then those who are counting on you right, to help them get there are going to be uh, missing a critical step as well. Well, Coach, um, don't want to keep you too much longer. I really appreciate what, what you have to say. I know it's something as coaches we all struggle with. Mm -hmm. What is the source of our identity? So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Coach Elliott, always in, in the show uh, praying for everybody. I'm going to pray for you. 
Lord, we come before you today. I just want to praise and thank you for loving us, Lord. First and foremost, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, I pray for Coach Elliot and the ministry he has there at Clemson, Lord, that you would just continue to bless him, Lord, that he would continue to keep his eyes focused upon you. And Lord, that he would find his identity in Jesus Christ, Lord, and that you would use him to impact not only the coaches, I mean the players that he coaches each and every day, but Lord, uh, influence coaches and the community across the United States. Um, Lord, may he continue to impact lives. May you continue to bless him. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, everyone, we are back for week two of our podcast. I'm here with defensive coordinator Brett Collier, but most importantly, a Christian man, a Christian leader. This is our podcast we do every Wednesday. We call it Transformational Leadership, Being Transformed in Your Leader. There's how the world tells us to lead, and then there's how Christ tells us to lead. And today, our topic is this. The culture you will create in your organization is completely dependent upon your identity. So what is identity? So what does the world tell us our identity is? And then what does Christ tell us about our identity? What are your thoughts on that, Coach Collier? Yeah, you know, the world's going to tell you, you know, you are, you know, what you do. If you're a football coach, that's your identity. If you're like my wife's a nurse, uh, that nursing and uh, being a mother and being a wife and all those things, that would be her identity. But that's not what the Bible tells us. That's, that's not what Scripture teaches us. You know, first of all, the Bible t- uh, teaches us that we are, by nature, uh, you know, Paul says, children of wrath, right? So that's our first identity, that we're fallen, that we're sinful. But, but secondly... You know, if you're one of uh, God's people, if you belong to Christ, you've been bought by him, you've been purchased by him. That was a real, genuine purchase that happened on the cross. And so now you belong to him. And my wife and I were doing a, uh, a little marriage conference thing. And, and uh, one thing that got brought up was that we don't belong to each other. You know, and our, our marriage is not our identifier. That's not necessarily who we are. That's the union that we're in, all to bring glory to Christ. But but first and foremost, we belong to him, and that's our, that's our number one identity. You know, I was thinking, when you think about identity, so we're football coaches. So it's natural in our sin nature that our identity goes into my performance as a football coach, which is wins and losses, or how good my football players are. Everything revolves around that as a high school football coach. But, you know, I go back to Adam and Eve in the garden, and everything was perfect. God made Adam and Eve in his image for his glory, and everything was good. And then Satan, who was kicked out of heaven for wanting the glory of the Lord, he comes in and he whispers to Adam and Eve. He says, why don't you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And they say, because God says that we couldn't. And Satan whispers in their ear, or he says in their ear, You won't die if you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You will become like God. And so therefore, Adam and Eve, they go eat the apple. And yes, they become become like God, knowing good and evil, but, but they aren't God. God was shielding them from knowing evil. And that's why everything he had created was made good. So Adam and Eve... They took the lie of Satan, which says, you will be like God, and that now is everyone's desire. So that's what sin did. Sin 
it, instead of us living for God and for His glory and us finding our satisfaction in Christ, now, because of sin, we glorify ourselves. We pursue ourselves. Everything's all about me. That's why as a football coach, all I'm consumed with is winning and my players. That's sin because it's about my glory, my honor. Yeah, so, you know, in terms of... Uh... In terms of your business or our football team or whatever it is that you do, you know, whatever your identity is, you know, that's going to spill over into your, uh, your performance and the culture that you're trying to build, build in your team or your organization or whatever. And, you know, that's why a, a mistake I think a lot of folks make um, is when they identify, you know, a lot of people list like core values, like this is who we're going to be, this is what we're going to do. But in reality, those core values don't match up with who they are as the leader. And, um, you know, that's kind of what coaches say. And we live in a fallen world. We have this fallen mind. And a lot of times we try to project what we want to happen onto our team. That's not necessarily who we are, though. So really, it takes a lot of introspection. we got to really look inside ourselves and, and think about who we are and what do we actually value and, and what are the things that we can commit to. And then as us as football coaches, what are the things that we can commit to to get our boys to get on, get on board what we want and to move forward with the team. So uh, there's a lot of work that goes into that. you got really got to be honest with yourself and think about who you are and what are your strengths and weaknesses and all that. And, and of course, you know, who and what does God want you to be? You know, I was watching, uh, I was looking at Twitter, and that's always, you know, I like to post on Twitter, but I try not to scroll through Twitter because you'll see a lot of dumb stuff. And so if I want to look at something, I need to just go to that person's specific page, and that way I'm not scrolling. And so I accidentally scrolled the other day. I shouldn't have. Or maybe I just uh, opened up Twitter and I saw the first tweet, and it was a coach. I don't know where he was from, somewhere in the country, and they're doing spring practice, and he was doing board drills or what he called board drills. But he was lining his players up about seven yards apart. And the clip that he decided to post is one kid fires off the ball, the other kid fires off the ball, and one kid absolutely destroyed the other kid. And like, I think his post was like, spring football is here. And I was just like, and to me, I, that's what that coach is saying his identity is. My identity is board drills, spring football. And, and his identity, he wants you to think that he's a tough guy and all this kind of stuff. And in pursuit of his identity, he puts something out there that, that completely embarrasses another one of his players. And so this is where I started to think about identity. And, and all football coaches do is talk about culture, 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 culture. I mean, it's just it's a constant word that we use. Well, at the end of the day, if football is your main source of identity, there is no way around it. You are going to use those football players as a means for your glory. And no longer do those football players have a heart and a soul. They are now, if you're a college football coach, they're now your paycheck. If you're a high school football coach, they're now your glory and your pride. And if they were to disappoint you, you, their performance, if their performance were to disappoint you, you will disassociate yourself from them because they have no value for you anymore. So as we start talking about my, your, what you identify with, it will set the tone of your culture. And at the end of the day, I think we all understand this. People make you money. 
Investing in people is how your organization becomes great. However, if I look at my people as a resource and as a means to an end, then I really won't value them as much as if I see them as a child of God. And that's where Christ, when, so, so we were, when we sinned, we were separated from Christ. Well, now Jesus Christ has come so that we are in communion with Christ. And so as I, as I make Christ my identity and, and die to my sin, now every person I come across is a child of God, and my investment in them is way more than just as a football player and a means for me to make money or a means for me to get glory myself. Yeah, so we obviously you know work at a private Christian school, so it's a little different from us, but um, like... We, we've, Coach Guest has said that, you know, the purpose of this uh, football program and what we're going to base everything on is uh, building young men for Jesus Christ, building up men for Christ. So, um, you know, what the example he was just given there, that's not building men up. That's tearing people down. And, and like he said, you end up using people to, to uh, put yourself up on a pedestal, right? And so it goes back down to, like he said, who are you and what are you trying to do? Our, our whole goal here is to build men for Jesus Christ. So, yeah, we're going to be tough on, on our boys, and we're going to coach them hard. And there's going to be times where they may not like us or like what we're saying to them. But what's the end game? The end game is always to take these boys from where they are, build them up, and give them a foundation to be a strong man for Jesus Christ based on hard work, work ethic, uh, honesty, love, toughness, all those things, so that one day when they're called, they have the tools that they need um, to go be successful. You know, and it goes back, you know, for us – um, it goes back to this. Why do you do the things that you're doing? You know, do you do them so that you can get something or you do them because you've been called to, to be something? You know, we don't do what we do so that we can go win football games and do this and that. Now, our flesh wants to do that. You know, that's what the world tells us to do. We do what we do so that we can win games, so that we can get this, so that we can get that. But really, we do it because of what God has called us to do, you know. And we can't sit here and pretend like it's always been that way for us, right? Over time, God has molded and shaped us, uh, molded and shaped us to be different and to grow and to learn and and start to lean on Him more. But really, it's because He's called us to do that to build these men. I'm gonna take you everybody back to the garden again, and I think a big question: What is my identity? Who am I? You know, I've known people. They said they're going to Europe to try to find themselves. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right in front of me. You're right there. There's where you are. But, you know, obviously, you know, they're completely messed up. But let's go back to the garden and let me tell you where it messed up. And let me tell you why you don't know who you are. Let me tell you why you don't have a sound identity or an identity that gives you joy and peace. And it's because when Adam and God, our identity is in Christ and there Adam and Eve are. They have everything perfect. And then they disobey God. Sin came into the world. And now man is left in a sinless and hopeless state because he has sinned and rebelled against an almighty God. And so now for this, is what the Old Testament is all about, man is chasing an identity. And they're creating false gods. They're creating false idols. They're worshiping self. They're trying to go to the Tower of Babel. It happens really fast in Genesis. I think like Genesis 8, 9, or 10, the Tower of Babel. They're trying to build a huge building for their own glory. And God completely um, 
prevents that from happening, but that's what we are apart from Christ. We are all chasing something. We are trying to create an identity in this world, and it only leads to our destruction and leads to hopelessness. You know, a great example is we see men all the time, they're trying to create an identity in their job or in, in their uh, sport or whatever it is, uh, their endeavor. And But first, God has called us to be husbands and God has called us to be fathers. But man, sinful man, as he chases the world and trying to create an identity in this world and trying to make a name for himself in this world to trying to get glory out of this world, he will leave his family, he will leave his children in the pursuit of worldly glory. A great example for me is always Steve Jobs. We're sitting here, uh, Coach Collier's on his iPhone, his Mac, I'm, I'm on my iPhone, we're speaking into a Mac. Steve Jobs has made our life really easy. He has done a lot of great things, but Steve Jobs had children that he was not a father to. He left the wife of his youth to pursue worldly glory, and Steve Jobs is dead. What, what does that get him today? And so I think as we talk about identity, we need to be analyzing who am I going to be when I'm 90 years old? Who am I going to be on my deathbed? Do I still have value? Am I still uh, productive? And how do I have value? And in, in whom do I have value? You know, the coach brought up two points there, joy and peace. Okay, and where do we find joy and peace? Last night, um, I was listening to a little uh, teaching series from a, a, a pastor that I really like named uh, Steve Lawson. And one of the quotes that he made was this. And it really spoke to me. He said, the happiest and most joyful moments of our lives are when we truly contemplate and meditate upon this truth, that our hearts were made for God. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. And the greater our understanding of who God is, our own heart is equally enlarged and filled with contentment and satisfaction and pleasure in our God. And that's what it's all about there. Like, you were made for God and to serve him and to be in relationship with him. And until you get to that point, you are restless. And that's my story. That's my life. You know, before I was saved, I, I just remember like this restlessness and always chasing the world and chasing after this and chasing after I'm trying to put my identity into something where it didn't belong. And it wasn't until I really found where I, my true identity was that I could find rest and joy and satisfaction and uh, just relationship with God and, and everything makes sense. Um, and coach brought up some good points there just about continue to grow and who we, and who, who we are in Christ. And, 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 and to do that, we have to read his word, stay in his word, takes daily devotion, daily prayer. And, uh, that's all on us. You know, I was talking to a college coach yesterday and he, he's at a major power five program and there was a coaching change and, you know, and he was a part of both staffs. And I was asking him, I said, what, what was the other coach like? You know, what was he like? He said, man, he was intense, and we'd be at practice, and he'd just take five minutes to MF everybody. And in my brain, I'm like, of course, he just got fired. I'm like, how in the world does that help you win? And then even if it does help you win, for whose glory? 
Because you are so controlling, you are so demanding. If you have any success, you're going to take that and you're going to be like, I did this, I did this, I did this, I willed this to happen. And God despises that. But nine times out of ten, that type of leadership, that type of uh, way of treating people, it fails because people aren't going to hang around that. People aren't going to hang around and be treated like that. And over time, the, 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 the building that's being built will crumble and it will fall because it's not built upon solid ground. Yeah, when I look at myself and I think about, you know, my own calling and like, you know, I try to think about my future, of course, I don't know, and uh, maybe what God has called me to do. Uh, one word that pops into my head, and we talked about it last week on, on our podcast with Moses, is faithfulness. And, uh, you know, it's just about, like, your identity and your peace and your joy is going to be found in being faithful in what God has called you to do. I think sometimes we get restless with trying to think about, you know, the next bigger and best thing that, that we hope or wish God has called us to. Well, God may not call you to that, right? Sometimes God has called us to a life of simplicity and smallness. And you may think, you know, you're not as important as someone else, but, you know, your, your piece of the puzzle is just as important as someone else's. And it may be smaller in nature. Like Coach and I, you know, we work at a small, single-A private school. You know, we're not the biggest fish in the sea in, in football in the state of Georgia, you know. And um, that's just what we do. But, you know, what? we find joy in it. We find contentment in it. And uh, we can rest in that. So I think it's just a challenge for us to really think um, – what has he called me into and what is my identity in that? And yeah, I don't have to go be, um, I was talking to a coach the other day that came through here recruiting. And he said his ultimate goal is to own an NFL team. And that's awesome. That's good. If God And he was a Christian. If God calls him into that and he goes and does it, he's going to do it for the glory of God. And he's going to have a huge impact on the world. And that's great. God, I, right now, God has not called me to do that. All right. And so I have no desire to do that. And I don't need to have the desire to do that. What I do have a desire to do is to be the best I can be right here where I am, doing what I'm doing with the people I'm with and with the kids that God has given me right now. And um, I can find rest in that. So my identity being in Christ versus my identity being in myself, my glory in this world, think about yourself as a leader. And what we're calling this is transformational leadership. How can I be a transformational leader? Well, when I have Jesus Christ, I surrender my life to Christ. The first thing that Christ tells me to do is die to myself and to serve others. So now as a transformational leader, I'm not just looking at my employees as a woman and a man who is selling my product or who's coaching for me or whatever they're doing. I'm now looking at these uh, men and women as, as first and foremost, people made in the image of God. Secondly, their husbands and their wives. And then thirdly, they, you know, many of them will have children, their, their mothers and fathers. And then my calling, uh, I always say God's called you to be, uh, for me, a faithful husband, a loving and present father, and men, a man who impacts the community for Jesus Christ. Well, if I'm, if I'm a leader now and say you're a CEO or you're a, you're a manager, you lead people, you now have the ability to influence people for Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean you're going to talk them into believing in Jesus Christ, but how you treat them, how you love them, how you serve them will help propel them to be more successful. And as you help people and you serve people, they're going to see Jesus Christ through you. And think about it. As I help people, as I love people, as I serve people, 
people, as I encourage people, wouldn't they naturally be people who did more for you? Or I can be somebody who demands respect and my, and my people work for me out of fear, but that's what I'm always talking about. That will not stand. That will not last forever. That will crumble. And worse, you will have done nothing to advance the kingdom of God, and you will stand before the Almighty, one, the Almighty God one day, and he's going to be like, look at everything I gave you, and you wasted it. So the challenge is, as we become a new creature in Jesus Christ, when we surrender our life to Christ, we die to our sinful selves that chase after the world, that serve the world, that is desperate for man's approval. The man who, who wants to say, look at what my hands have built. I'm a, you know, I always see that I'm, I'm a self-made man quote. You're not a self-made man. You didn't make yourself be born. God made you. You are a man made in the image of God. And if you have anything that you can sell or if you have anything that you, can, that you have built and you think that your hands have done it, you are in sin because the Almighty God has given you the ability to do what you do. So no man is a self-made man. We are all made in the image of God and for his glory and for his honor. Yeah, I think one question a lot of our uh, listeners might have is, how can you practically do this where you are? You know, for us, it's easy. We can preach this gospel at work every day, um, and we do it, and that's, that's part of what we do and who we are. But, you know, I, I, I go back to my wife. My wife's a nurse, and uh, so she can't go preach the gospel to every patient in every bed, um, you know, in every family that she gets. So how can she live this out um, with her coworkers and with the patients? Well, it goes back to what Coach was saying, serving others, Right. You can serve others, and you can live your life with the love of Christ, and you can shine as a light for Him, and you do all things that you do, all things that you do for His glory. And um, if you live that out every day, you're ultimately going to uh, shine as a light for Him. So I was reading last night in the Bible. Here's what First, first Corinthians chapter 8 says, verse 5 and 6. It says, For although there may be so-called uh, many gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many quote-unquote gods and many quote-unquote lords, um, and for us, those are things that we make our gods and our lords, like this life and winning and losing and this and that. But it goes on to say, yet for us, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and from whom and for whom we exist. We exist for him, only by him, for his glory, and everything that we do should be given back to him in honor and praise. So the, the, your identity, if you're of the world, and, and, and you don't know about Jesus Christ, and you're not serving God, and you're not living for God, your identity is wrapped up in what the world can give you, the, the world's possessions, the world's glory. That's what you're going to chase. That's what you're going to pursue. You know, so many high school kids want to go play in the NFL or NBA, but really it's not because they want to play in the NFL or NBA. It's because of the lifestyle they see that the NBA and NFL people are living and the money that's that's there and it's like a lot of people want to be doctors but they really don't want to be doctors they just know that there's money associated with being a doctor like a lot of people want to go work on wall street i can't imagine a worse job you know 18 hours a day crunching numbers but they uh, they see the money that's associated with wall street so we're we're enslaved to chasing the identity of the world we are going to be enslaved 
for the approval of man. Like how many things are going on wrong in our world, like, like transgenders being able to compete, like a man that identifies as a woman is being able to compete in high school athletics. That's insane. I think everybody would agree that it's insane, but nobody will say that it's insane because everybody's scared that the world won't approve of them. But we, we need leaders who will stand up and say, who cares what the world says? The world is evil and sick and disgusting. I do not identify with this world. I identify with Jesus Christ. We need people to stand up and start saying, you know what? Rap music is evil and it is bad and it is why you uh, our, our youth is poisoned in the head, but everybody's scared because they're scared that people are going to say something bad about them. But those who are in Christ are free. And things that aren't right, we can say aren't right. And we're free to love people and serve people without a condition being upon it as what can this, I will love this person if they can give me something. And that's where your identity changes. It makes you more bold, it makes you stronger, and it makes you genuine. Because now I identify with Jesus Christ. I don't identify with this world. And the world changes on a daily basis. Yeah, so uh, last thought I have here is a really good movie, a football movie that I like, uh, Remember the Titans. Um, and in that movie, uh, I think they're at football camp or something, and one of the guys has a bad attitude. And uh, one of the captains, I think it's Gary Bertier, he goes to talk to the other guy about his attitude. He's telling him he's not being a good leader, this and that. And he, he looks at him and he says, well, attitude reflects leadership, Captain. So when I think about the, own, the my own players that I coach and like my own students, well, their attitude is going to be a reflection of mine. So uh, if I'm living a life of glorified Jesus Christ and I have a good attitude about everything I'm doing and I try to go live as a light and shine as a light, and do all things for his glory, and I'll start, I should start to see their attitude pick up. So if I see a bad attitude from one of my players today, it's my fault. That's on me, and i, I got to pick it up. So appreciate you guys listening. Coach Guest, last thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to leave you guys with some Bible verses. Um, I, I love Ephesians 2, and the goal is, is um, man, if you don't know Christ, that you would know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and if you, if you do have a relationship with Christ, that you would pursue him more and more and more and grow in him. And, uh, but, but listen to Ephesians 2. It's what we're talking about. And, and, it, and it talks about who we were and what we are. And you were dead in uh, your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's who we all were, chasing this world. We all relate to that guy, but God. So we were left hopeless. Man, the only thing I deserve is, 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 is hell, God's punishment, death. But listen to this. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. I was a dead man walking. I was a man who only pursued myself. But by the grace of God, Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for my sins and he opened my eyes by the power of the Holy Spirit working in me to show me my true identity as a son of God. And that is critical. And listen to this verse right here, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And my challenge there is transformational leadership. You don't have to be, you don't have to lead like you see non-Christians leading. It doesn't mean it's effective. As a coach, man, we go to all these, we watch all these coaches and they're using the F word. They're cussing at their players. They're treating them like meat. We don't have to coach that way. It doesn't mean you will win. And it doesn't mean if I don't coach this way, you will win. We've got to get to be to where the, the Division I coaches of the world and the NFL coaches of the world are not God in our eyes. They do not set the standard. They are not my standard of leadership. Only a man who will lead for Jesus Christ is a man I want to emulate. And we can find guys like that. And then another verse, you were bought with a price. Do not become the servants of men. 1 Corinthians 7.23. And then 1 Corinthians 6.19-20. You are not your own. For as you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So what's our purpose? What's our identity? Every single day, wake up to live for the glory of Jesus Christ. And you will find that the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5.26, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, goodness, gentleness. I bet I missed one. Self-control? I think so. I think I missed one. Faithfulness. You will find that you will exhibit those fruits. However, if you're not pursuing Christ, and even if you are not in, even if you're a Christian, but you're not pursuing Christ, you're going to exhibit the fruit, the, the evilness, the vileness of the flesh, which is jealousy, hate, anger, sexual immorality, all that kind of stuff. And I'll say this to Christians out there, last thing. Our sin nature is always right there with us. As a football coach who knows that I am to do everything for God's glory, every single day I battle doing things for my own glory. Every single day I, I battle the desire to win. Not that the desire to win is bad, but the desire to win because I want the glory. I want the world to think I'm a good football coach. It's like, the, and, and so, but those are reminders to me of my old nature to die to that man because that man was a scared little fearful man who, who was enslaved to the approval of man. And now I am free in Christ. I can coach and have a good time coaching because I am not pursuing winning to, glory, to gain the glory of the world. I am pursuing winning to glorify Jesus Christ. And so, that's identity, and you're going to struggle in your mind as a Christian if you, do just, if you don't die and allow Christ to become your identity. And then if you're not a Christian, you're going to make a destruction of your life. I don't care how successful you are in this world, if you are not in Christ, all the great things that God has given you will come crumbling down as you get older and older. But that's our time. We don't want to take more than 30 minutes. Um, I appreciate everybody listening. And next week we'll be back on for episode three. Please, if you like our podcast, um, you know, I looked today, we had over 500 downloads in one week. P keep sharing with your friends. Our aim and our objective is to create a podcast for the Christian leader and the Christian coach the person who wants to glorify God, and as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. We want to be that voice for you, and we want to hear from you, and we want you to uh, share our podcast with your friends and grow a Christian leader community. Thank you.
Christ, Lord. We are a new creation in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for all the coaches and the leaders and the people listening to this podcast. Lord, I pray that they would surrender their life to Jesus Christ, Lord. And for those who know you and love you, Lord, that they would grow in Christ more and more. May we fight each and every day to put off the sins of our flesh and to put on Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would strive to be that new creation. Lord, we cannot be perfect, uh, but Lord, but you tell us to strive to be perfect. Lord, may we live um, for the, to glorify you each and every day. Lord, we pray for love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Lord, all the fruits of the Spirit that only happen through our identity being in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray as our identity is in Jesus Christ, you would use that to influence those who are around us to become better men and women for Jesus Christ and to influence the world for Jesus' glory. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Great.